Happy versus Flourishing, episode 10. Welcome to the podcast where we give you ideas and small ways you can improve your quality of life and your your meaning of life. Today, my guest is uh, Caroline Sherlock. She's a functional medicine practitioner. And if you're not familiar with the phrase functional medicine, it's looking at things in a more holistic um, point of view. If you go and see your GP, for those of you in the UK, often they've got, they're really restricted to time. They can only maybe give you 15 minutes. They usually don't have much training in, say, nutrition and really sort of when they're looking at whatever the problem you have is, they don't take into account what you may have been eating and so on, which is a major problem. Functional medicine looks at your sleep, your stress, your food, your all sorts of different issues. So we're going to find out a lot more about that when we speak with, when we hear from Caroline later in this episode. Why not subscribe to the show so you uh, always get to know when a new episode has been released and it'll be great if you can leave a review for us that lets a lot more people know about the podcast so the word gets out to more people. Hope you enjoy this week's episode. Happiness versus flourishing. My guest today is Caroline Sherlock. How are you, Caroline? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Tony? I'm doing pretty well. And we were just just having a chat before we started recording, and it's it's amazing actually how your I don't know if it was amazing foresight on your behalf, but how you moved the transition to working online a couple of years ago. That was quite fortunate in many ways, I guess. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it just sort of happened like that because um, I think because of the work that I do as a functional medicine practitioner and nutritionist, I was finding that a lot of my clients weren't able to come in locally to see me just because they weren't local. Um, Mm. So I trained with, you know, I've been a nutritionist, um, as you know, for 15, no, 18 years now, quite a long time actually, um, but then trained in functional medicine in the States uh, and certified mm. as um, a practitioner there with the Institute for Functional Medicine back mm. in 2017. And I think because there were really only a handful of us um, at the time certified in the UK, we got so many inquiries from people who were starting to become a little bit familiar with functional medicine um, yeah. and these people obviously weren't local so really by default at that time it started switching to online and I now you know as we were just talking about I feel really lucky that we've actually got all the software and tech in place and uh, so that the transition through sort of quarantine has been really easy for me because we were running most of it online anyway. Mm. And for people who maybe aren't familiar with what functional medicine is, can you describe it is for what it is for people who've never heard of it? Yeah, sure. So functional medicine is really asking the question why. So it's looking for your root cause and why you've got particular health symptoms and actually tracking it all the way back to understand sort of what went wrong and what at what point the balance tipped over so that you can then put in a targeted um program which would involve for me obviously sort of nutrition and diet but also lifestyle changes to try to unravel what went wrong and then tip Mm. the balance back so it's just a different way of looking at health really um, and a really exciting way because it gives the the power back to the person that you can regain control just by looking at all of these things the way i've described it often to people in the last few years is it's a much more kind of proactive approach as, as opposed to most people just have a reactive approach. Some, they wait for something to go wrong and they go and see a GP, whereas the functional medicine approach seems to be very different. Well, it can be if you, that's the way you use it. Yeah, I mean, it's really, really different. Um, and it, if, if I give you an example, I suppose, if you take someone who has uh, low energy and maybe, I don't know, maybe eczema, maybe some gut issues. So they'll go to their um, their GP, they'll have some blood tests done, and then they may be referred off for, you know, for someone to look at the eczema, someone to look at the gut. And there's no one really linking all of that together. So what we do is look at the body as a whole and actually try to understand well, what's going on. Because someone with low energy is not the same as the next person with low energy. You know, you want yeah. to ask, why, why is the energy low? Why is it? Is it because you've got 
I don't know, a thyroid problem? Is it because that person's not sleeping well? Is it because potentially they've, um, they're deficient in iron? There are so many different reasons for that same health symptom. And by mm. categorizing it all as the, in the same box, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. It's, um, you know, we look at a personalized approach so that we're really unraveling what is going on for that person, because you've got to do that in order to help that person transition and become better. So that's really how it's different, yeah. Well, I guess also because one of the things that you do and, and functional medicine, the approach, another way it differs, is there's so many, we've broken things down to such a degree, there's so many specialists for all these different areas and it's just this whole this kind of reductionist mentality. And as you said, so someone has these problems and they have to go and see this expert and that expert and that expert. And it just, well, one thing that can become very expensive, but it's also just, I guess for some people, it's just, I don't want to go and see all those different people. I think it's also really demoralizing as well because they don't always have the answers. And Mm. a lot of those answers can be, you know, the prescribed, you know, medication for that condition. Whereas, you know, we, in functional medicine, I think we, we really look at the root cause, but we also link a lot of the things via the gut because the gut is where, mm. you know, everything happens. It can affect your mood. You know, we know so much more about the microbiome now than um, than we ever did. And the research is just ongoing. I think what we know now is just a fraction of what we'll know in the future. But we yeah. already know there are so many bacteria there that affect directly affect inflammation in the body um they can affect brain fog they can affect your energy we know that the gut and the brain talk together via the the vagal nerve so there's so many areas of health that can be addressed just by kind of stepping back and looking at the gut um Mm. and i think when you do that it can you can really get some powerful changes going on um Mm. and then beneath that as well you've obviously got the the fact that maybe people aren't eating that well either, so they're not actually getting the nutrients in that they need to to support their health, um, or they may be just not digesting very well. So, you mm. know, you can have the best diet in the world, but if you're not actually digesting those nutrients from the food, it's not going to translate into something that's really going to support your health and help you to get back into control of it. So um, the gut is just kind of crucially important and sort of links absolutely everything in the body and it's really I suppose where we start with most of the people that we see um, in our clinic and certainly with the the program that we run the gut is a huge component um, of the program because we find that most people really can fine-tune what's going on in the gut and make some positive changes to their health just by focusing on that alone. How do generally people find out, well, A, about you and B, about functional medicine? You mentioned before that a few years ago there weren't so many practitioners in the UK. Has has that situation changed? But generally, how do people find out about you? So it's changing slowly. Um, I'm not quite sure of the the number in the UK at the moment. I think there may be 40 certified practitioners. And I think at the time when I certified, I was one of, I think, 16. So it's it's climbing slowly, but it's... uh, you know, you have to do a foundational course and then advanced practice modules in immunity and energy and detoxification and cardiovascular. So it's it goes into a lot of depth on, um, you know, very many different areas. And I studied with the Institute for Functional Medicine in the States. Mm. And really, you know, I would just refer anyone to their website, actually, to take a look at, you know, the, the practitioners there. And the great thing is it's... Um, it's doctors that are certifying as well so I'm a nutritionist by background but actually you know it's it's really changing the viewpoint of many of the doctors and allowing them to work on a a broader scale I think with the dietary and lifestyle changes that everyone knows that we should be doing but actually it's one thing knowing them and another Mm. thing doing them and I think the doctors are under so much pressure when they have such a limited time for an appointment you know there's no way that you know they can really sit down and discuss in depth what someone's sleep is like or you know actually why they're not sleeping you know which is crucial Mm. there's just not the time to do that so I think it requires another sort of practitioner to be able to take those people and you know it's really just listening to people tell their stories because very often we you know when someone starts to talk they know what's wrong with their health and they kind of know the steps you know deep down that maybe they need to take to address it but mm. it, it's 
just having someone guide them through that um, mm. and to be able to collate all the different knowledge and also guide them towards appropriate testing um, that may not be available in the mainstream as well. So mm. just people to bring all of that together. Um, but yeah, certainly the Institute for Functional Medicine um, website is a good place to start uh, and it lists all the certified practitioners on it. Um, yeah. So would you say, and I guess things like this, like podcasts, there's, I, being a podcaster, and I've also been very, listened to lots of different podcasts over the last, I don't know, 10 years, I guess. And it seems to me that there's more, I I listen to a few different podcasts that do focus on health and sort of health-related issues. And it seems that there's much more podcasters are either interviewing functional medicine uh, practitioners or are just sort of talking about it. There seems to be a much more awareness now around the whole area. I think so. I mean, we've had some, obviously in the States, there's some fairly high-profile people promoting functional medicine um, and and we're increasingly getting people familiar with it over here. Um, uh, Dr. Rangan Chatterjee is, you know, one of them and he's done a lot of the IFM um, trainings as well. So I think it's just raising that profile and it's also a lot of word of mouth. So we have, you know, the people that come to see us are very often the people with chronic conditions that no one has been able to to resolve or to push them forward with or to help them with. And so they're often very despondent and to actually find that there are some people who are able to guide them, but also to look at alternatives. You know, we look at environmental toxicity, for instance, as, um, you know, potentially contributory factors to very many um, health conditions, including things like chronic fatigue um, and fibromyalgia. And it's really, you know, it's looking at things differently. So it's looking at autoimmunity, for instance, and saying, well, let's actually, you know, try to figure out what's contributing to your your flare-ups rather than just take the medication forever. It's like, let's just look underneath it and try and unravel is it food is it your lifestyle is it sleep is it the fact that you know you may have a pack you know a patch of black mold growing in the corner of your bedroom that you don't really think is an issue um Mm -hmm. you know is it the the parabens the you know environmental chemicals are you not getting enough of um certain nutrients it's just really looking at everything and i think that's when it becomes so powerful because sometimes these people just are given hope back and they begin to see their health change. Mm. And then it's word of mouth that becomes referral. And that's really, I think, one of the very powerful things about functional medicine. It's from the people who have been through um, programs and seen results for themselves, but also given them a way to control it, which very often, you know, from my perspective, involves putting more foods back into the diet that perhaps they weren't eating, um, to begin with, because I think in in this environment as well, there's so much information available, as you say, through podcasts and on the internet, isn't there? You know, and so people are really well researched. But where it becomes overwhelming is they're just so well researched, they then don't know where to start with it or how to pull it together, and mm-hmm. so they end up doing nothing. I think one of the things that I was when we spoke a few years ago, and. I think it maybe maybe it'd been the first time that we actually spoke. And one of the things that I was I think most surprised at, we were um you were looking at uh I think a questionnaire or something that I'd filled in. And and then when we actually met and we were talking about some of the uh, answers that I'd put in the in this form that you'd asked me to fill in. And one of the questions was about sleep. And and I answered something along the lines of, yeah, my sleep is fine. And you I was really surprised by how surprised your reaction was to that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think people normalize things as well. So very often, you know, people will say, yeah, my sleep's fine. And also, you know, it's kind of like, well, of what relevance is that? You know, Mm. okay, so I'm not sleeping great, but actually I really don't need to tell you that because, you know, I'm here to sort out my you know, my eczema or my gut problems, you know, my sleep is just totally non-relevant. And of, of mm. course it is so relevant because we know mm. that disrupted sleep, you know, can be for a number of reasons. It could be from, you know, something such as sleep apnea where you sort of stop breathing, um, mm. you know, and that affects 
the brain. Um, it can be due to kids, you know, waking you up at night, but it also can be due to blood sugar issues or that you're detoxifying um, or that, um, you know, you've just got anxiety going on that is waking you in the night. And so really on the surface, when I ask most people about their sleep, I say, yes, yes, it's fine, but it's only a couple of consultations in or when we've started working with them and then we start to point out the impact that sleep can have or poor sleep can have on the body in terms of cortisol and inflammation and weight gain even and actually changes the the makeup of the microbiome in the gut. When you start to explain that and link that all in to how they're feeling, yeah, mm. it's not just that you know poor sleep um, makes you tired the next day. It, it actually also affects your food choices um, you know, what you want to eat, because if someone's waking up and they're chronically tired because they're not, they're not sleeping properly, then they're going to be going for the, you know, five, eight coffees a day, you know, just to get mm. through sometimes and, and reaching for the carbs because they want to push their blood sugar levels up. So, mm. um, yeah, it's, it's pretty rare, actually, that I have maybe kind of, I don't know, maybe one in 10 people and you said something along those lines but there was it's you said something like that most people that you saw didn't have good sleep and I was really surprised at that yeah well and and I think it's it's so common because there's so many different things going on and Mm. the screens also are a big part of it you Mm. know and people don't realize that you know a screen particularly for kids you know within two hours of bedtime is going to activate more for some people than others and more for children, but it's, it's going to activate pathways that you don't want activated um, mm. when you're going to sleep. Uh, you know, you, you then think, Tony, about the, the amount of time we spend indoors. Mm. Um, and we know that melatonin, which is our sleep hormone, um, an antioxidant as well, so it's just really important, particularly at the moment, to support mm. our immune system. But that's actually generated by actually having some outside light uh, you know, around midday, you know, mm. um, and people are just not not going out um, yeah. through nature of their work. And obviously this year's a little bit different anyway, but, you know, the amount of people normally who just don't see daylight. So just something as simple as that can be mm. impacting their sleep too. Well, a couple of years, I think it was, yeah, about two years ago, I read uh, Dr. Matt Walker's book, Why We Sleep. Yeah, it's a good and- book, isn't it? And then a lot of what you said in that encounter that I was just describing, then it all started making sense. But yeah, that, that's an amazing book. And I, I think that's probably the most transformational book I've ever read in my life. It was that's changed a lot of different habits in, in my life. Oh, that's interesting. And your sleep was good anyway. So Yeah. yeah. But, but it made me, re- although my sleep was good, it made me realize just how vitally important sleep is. So I started to... Uh, create much more of a kind of sleep hygiene routine you know so as you say about turning screens off at least an hour before going to bed and and not having bright lights around the house and realizing that it's not just simply about having eight hours in in bed that's not enough it needs to because that doesn't mean you necessarily have eight hours of sleep just being in bed for eight hours and so there was lots of things in that book that I just made some tweaks although I did have good sleep now my sleep is even better than, than it was before. And and that obviously affects so many other things. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And as you say, it's not just about those eight hours because you have to go through the different sleep phases as well. Mm. And each of those sleep phases, um, you know, rejuvenates us in, in different ways. And when we're looking at um, cognitive function as well, for mm-hmm. instance, and things like Alzheimer's and dementia, where we have um, sort of the, the proteins forming. One of the things about sleep is that, you know, you actually want uh, the restful sleep because that's when it kind of clears your brains out, your brain out as well. It sort of flushes mm-hmm. everything out. So if yeah. you're not getting those hours of restful sleep um, and all the stages of sleep, crucially, yeah. then it's a problem. Um, yeah. You know, the other thing is, and where it does, again, become overwhelming for people is there's so much emphasis now on sleep. And we're told, yes, you must sleep, you must be in bed, you must go and get your seven, eight hours. But actually, it can be different for different people. So it's just managing it. And there are... um, so I do some I do nutrigenomic testing as well as uh, mm. part of our work, but there are some um, genes that that govern sleep and whether you're sort of a night owl or an early bird, and and it's important just to recognise those. And that, that again, it's not a one size fits all approach where you know everyone must be in bed at ten o'clock and 
you know, mm. be up at five or six to be, you know, productive and energetic at the, you know, it just doesn't work like that for people. So it's being respectful of actually what's going to work for you, but just making sure that when you are asleep, you're able to go through those four stages of sleep, um, Mm. you know, and those sleep cycles and that you're getting enough to sustain you, you know, individually. Mm. I mean, you you just mentioned about nutrigenomic testing. Yeah. Could could you expand that? Because I've, mentioned it to, to a huge number of people in in the last few years and and I was trying to trying to explain what polymorphisms were and many other things that I remember you telling me about but I probably made a right pig zero of it so it'll be great to hear from you what what the nutrigenomic testing is and how it helps people and, and so on. Yeah, I mean, nutrigenomic testing in our clinic has really changed the way we practice in a big way, actually, because it enables us to be much more personalized with someone's program. Mm. And what it is, we all have we all have these sets of genes. And they used to say, actually, when it all first came out, that uh, you can turn the genes on and off. And we know now that it's not quite that simple. Mm. But there's um, the term gene expression. So you can have a predisposition. You can have a particular gene which may predispose you towards, uh, for instance, requiring more vitamin D. It doesn't necessarily mean that that gene is turned on and that you're going to have chronically low vitamin D levels for your entire life. But what it does just mean is that you might need to pay more attention to getting the vitamin D and that the vitamin D levels for you are going to be um, have higher requirements than for someone else just based on those genes so it's like a sliding scale and we can the really really good thing is that we can influence all of these genes that we test through nutrigenomic testing through diet and lifestyle so we don't test for anything that we can't influence Mm. Um, and that's really the nice thing so you know there's the sorts of things that I look at um well, I look, I look at a lot of different genes and you can have sort of the, the fun ones, um, as I like to say, you know, with sort of lactose intolerance because, um, you know, very many of us lose our ability to digest lactose, which is the milk sugar after the age of four. So you can have a gene that actually governs that and, um, you know, predisposes you towards having lactose intolerance. But it doesn't mean that, again, you can't take little bits of lactose it just means that you probably don't want to be drinking you know lattes and things so the sort of the interesting genes like that that um you know unless you've got a a big problem with lactose then it's kind of fun to know but then we go down into genes that you know i've mentioned vitamin d already but vitamin b12 um folate um how well we detoxify some people can have um a gene for glutathione that is either absent or deleted and what that means is that because glutathione is your master antioxidant and detoxifier if you don't actually have that gene there just need to pay a little bit more attention to actually your overall toxic burden in the body um but also eating foods that can promote um glutathione and making sure that you've got the nutrients in that we call cofactors to actually encourage the body to produce that so it can be really powerful really transformational um we look at genes towards to do with histamine as well uh so for people who have um maybe in stomach problems, actually, um, and are overproducing histamine there, or the typical allergic um, conditions such as asthma or, um, or eczema, um, any of the, the allergies, they can maybe really rapidly produce histamine. So you can have these genes that predispose you towards that, but then we can make dietary and lifestyle adjustments that actually lower the expression of those genes so that they're not so active, if you yeah. like. So it's not so... I mean, uh, taking the example of histamine there, actually, which is, you know, one that I work with quite a lot, um, you can have this predisposition towards histamine intolerance. And there are so many, if you Google it, there's so many sort of low histamine diets out there and everything. Mm. But it's just, again, overwhelming to actually do that. So you want to know why you're producing hist- so much histamine. And it can come down as to as simple as the, uh, the bacteria in, in your gut might be mm. predisposed towards um the the type that really like to produce histamine so it might need a little bit of rebalancing of that bacteria in your gut mm. uh it might be that you're over consuming and i you know i i quote this quite a lot that a lot of people are making histamine smoothies in the morning now because of the 
um, you know, the Nutribullets. And what people are doing, they're putting spinach in, they're putting berries in, they're putting bananas in, um, you know, and then maybe actually just to put some protein in, they're putting some cashews in because then they blend nice and easily. Those mm. foods are massively high in liberating histamine. So you've got all these people who are trying so hard to be healthy and kind of doing the right thing. But if mm. they've got this predisposition towards histamine intolerance, actually yeah. what they're doing is loading it up and sort of, and that's when the balance starts to tip, you know, yeah. particularly if they're stressed or something as well, which, um, which enables histamine release. So it, it can become really, really powerful understanding, you know, your own genetics. Um, mm. the, the other gene that I particularly like to, to look at is one that governs our ability to um, produce vitamin A. So vitamin A, we know, you know, talking about the whole immunity at the moment, we know that there's uh, this spread of of immune supportive nutrients that we really want to have in. And vitamin A is one that is really prevalent in our mucosal barriers around mm. the body. So whether that's in the gut or the nasal cavity or the lungs, we need the preformed vitamin A um, as part of that to form that immune defense. Mm. Now, some people, um, when we eat carrots, for instance, or um, plant-based vitamin A, which is beta-carotene, some people don't convert that beta-carotene to the vitamin A, the, the retinal form that we actually need, and they don't convert that very well. So just by knowing through your genetics if you're one of those people means you can actually really support your vitamin A levels. So when we're looking at immunity at the moment, you know, people who don't convert well, I would absolutely want them to be having a, um, for instance, a multivitamin that has that preformed vitamin A in, or mm. that they're eating it through their diet. And the ways to eat it through the diet is some in eggs, you know, there's, there's some in butter, but the very best form of the preformed vitamin A is in liver, you know, organic liver. And then you think, well, how many people actually now do eat liver you know mm. it's it's not that many um i would say out of the whole population and then we have um you know vegans for instance who are not eating the animal products so if you're one of if you're one of these people that has that inability to properly produce vitamin a then uh actually knowing that can be really really helpful particularly if you're following a you know a vegan or vegetarian diet mm. so it kind of transforms you know how we practice and really enables you to be, you know, so much more personalized with, with someone's program just by understanding that, you know. And, uh, you know, at the moment, I think as well, you know, we know all the information around vitamin D and how important it is for immunity. Um, mm. You know, if so if you've got a genetic predisposition that means that you're not transporting or absorbing vitamin D particularly well, you absolutely want to be, you know, grabbing a vitamin D test or going to the doctor's and finding out what your levels are so that you can then either get yourself outside, you know, well, if we're in a, in a hot, hot, sunny climate, you could top up mm. your vitamin D. But over winter, you know, it is then we'll go and look at the supplements that you need to bring your level mm. of vitamin D back within that normal range. So mm. that's where it becomes so powerful, I think. And, and what you were just saying then about the amazing, well, once people are aware of some of these things and by doing something like a nutrigenomic test, they then can have that awareness, which before doing something like that, they just kind of groping around in the dark as to what yeah. issues they may have. So can you think of any, I'm sure you've got some stories of people who have had real, real transformations in their life because of um, things that they found out from having consultations with you? Well, I think it is. And I think it's particularly on the, you know, the, on the immune side, um, if you also look at, you know, some of the people that we have worked with who have not felt great mood wise, actually, you know, once you understand, once you understand what their predispositions are, mm. that's one thing. So yes, you can go away and do that. It's not an awful lot of use just doing that and leaving it there because all you'll see on paper is okay it might be this 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 yeah. um but actually you then need to test so you need to do the functional test so you need to actually understand okay so if i you know if i am predisposed towards low vitamin b12 for instance and i've got memory problems at the moment and i'm just not feeling great um i'm tired all the time then actually 
let's go and look at what your actual levels of vitamin B12 are. So you're using the two things in conjunction. Mm. Um, so that's that's one point. And then the, the other point, I suppose, I'd like to make where I spend a lot of my time now working with clients is on the environmental toxicity side because we I see a lot of clients who come into our practice with a whole spread of health symptoms including autoimmunity in particular um, but also just this um, you know kind of low grade low grade symptoms or uh, you know brain fog and just don't feel great um, can't really find anything wrong and then when we look at some of their detoxification genes you know we find that they don't particularly detoxify very well you know they may not be able to produce glutathione well they may not be able to methylate well and methylation is really the process by which everything works in the body you know it's how we repair it's um it's just everything in the body including detoxification so if you have what we call SNPs or single nucleotide polymorphisms on some of those genes governing methylation and detoxification it can mean that they're just overburdening um, their body with toxicity. And so it becomes really important. That's where we really work with them, you know, to understand, well, you know, particularly on sort of the mold or mycotoxin side or uh, chemical sensitivities, um, any of these areas where they're overburdening themselves with, with toxins, which should be absolutely fine for most people and, you know, that's after all what the liver is designed to do. It's just for these people, they struggle more and more to get rid of them. So understanding mm. that nutrigenomic pathway and explaining that they may have problems doing that enables us to put in foods that, for instance, particularly support glutathione production, such as the, the brassica vegetables or broccolis and, and kales um, and then sort of garlic and onions and leeks to support all of those pathways. And then on the methylation side as well to support getting, basically getting these toxins out of the body properly. Um, you know, we, we work with the with B vitamins, we work with um, choline and zinc, uh, and we know exactly really where to intervene in the pathways to improve those cycles. And we can mm. test for methylation as well, you know, so it's not just plucking this all out of the air. We look at um, blood tests, we use some urine tests sometimes, but, you know, really to understand what is going on. And then we objectively monitor, monitor symptoms. So, you know, I, I think the environmental toxicity side of things and understanding the nutrigenomics there and the requirement for nutrients is a really exciting um, area going forwards that, you know, again, we still don't know. I think we know a fraction of, again, what we'll know in five years and certainly what I knew even three years ago about it is absolutely nothing to to what I know now, but it's just go, going to evolve and evolve, I think, in that area. Um, mm-hmm. And so the more that you can understand about someone, you know, I mean, I've had, uh, you know, people who have had um, mold exposure sort of years and years ago, and it sounds, you know, ridiculous to to think that this may be influencing their health now. But once you actually, you know, we can test for this, we can test for the spores, the mycotoxins that mold release, and once you start to address it, you remove the exposure if there's any current exposure and we start to just tidy up everything in the body and make sure they've got optimal levels of nutrients coming in and that they can digest and absorb these nutrients and working with the genetic pathways. It just becomes so powerful in terms of, you know, really guiding these people through so that they can, you know, feel better, you know, and get rid of some of these, you know, low grade chronic conditions that they haven't been able to get on top of before. What for people who are listening maybe thinking this sounds quite interesting, this nutrigenomic lot. So how they but they might be wondering, or oh, what's involved? How would I, you know, is that like really is it like an operation? So how how would people go about doing something like that? So so they would contact us. Um, so I think you're gonna we're gonna give out sort of details at the at mm-hmm. the end of the show. Um, but contact us, and um, nutrigenomic testing is super easy. It's just a saliva swab um, through the mouth. Um, we get them the test kit, and then they post it back um, and then the lab will then look at that and come up with a report. It doesn't test for any of your, it's, it's not kind of a big scary test. It doesn't test for your risk of diseases and, um, you know, as sort of, you know, 23andMe and some of the other big, big ones out there will look at absolutely everything, including genes that you can do 
you know, maybe not so much about. This is absolutely not what this is about. It's about looking at, um, you know, genetic predispositions that you can influence. And so, yeah, it's just a saliva swab. It's probably the easiest uh, home test of all, actually, that we offer. And because you mentioned, actually, again, before when we started speaking before we started recording, that there's now a lot more home tests available than, than there used to be. Yeah, well, we use, um, you know, where we can, we will absolutely send people, um, you know, to get tested via uh, their GP or consultant. And, you know, we obviously really, really encourage and, and request, actually, that anyone that comes to see us has, has been through their medical professional because that's, um, you know, that's crucial before we start working with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the test, some of the tests that we use are, are not available um through the um, the standard GP practice, uh, potentially. And, you know, the number one test that really stands out there for us that we we do use probably with, I don't know, 95% of people that come into the clinic, whatever the, the health um, symptom that they have, is the stool testing that looks at the gut microbiome. So mm-hmm. we really look at, you know, the presence of yeasts and uh, what type of bacteria really are in there, if there's any parasites that are maybe just sort of low grade and uh, creating an inflammatory sort of storm in the gut. And it may not be that you have digestive symptoms, but that's not really what this test is about, you know, because there are some bacteria that um, can just, they can be opportunistic. And it's like if you had a, if I can do an analogy, if you had a um, a patch of earth with that you just cleared of of weeds and everything, Mm. um, you know, you can plant a couple of, a couple of seeds there, but actually Weeds will come in very, very quickly and colonize that sort of bare patch of earth. Um, mm. So you, what you really want is a balance. You know, you want the things that, that are beneficial to grow there um, and not for it to be kind of one big weed colony. Mm. So with the gut, it's kind of similar. If you've got a sort of finite space on the gut wall, then the, the bacteria that we really want there, for instance, things like lactobacillus, for instance, which is the one that everyone um typically tends to hear about as a probiotic bacteria you know we want we want good bacteria there that balance and live happily with the rest of things so it's all about balance Um, and it's sometimes when you get these opportunistic bacteria like the weeds that sort of come in and rapidly colonize and take up the space that should be should be um, balanced with the with the guys that you know do do you good Mm. and sometimes these opportunistic bacteria um sort of a, a different shape, they're known, known as LPS, lipopolysaccharides, and they can translocate through the gut wall and just create inflammation, you know, pretty much elsewhere in the body, to be honest. Um, they can cross the uh, the gut barrier. They can also cross the blood-brain barrier. Um, and so actually looking at, at what's there and looking at that makeup and maybe doing a little bit of readjustment, which we can very often do just via diet, actually, with, with a lot of people, um, sometimes um, a few supplements as well, uh, depending on you know what what it, what that makeup is. But that sort of microbiome testing is not uh, generally available um, at the moment um, on the NHS. And you know, really, really, stool testing I think conventionally is is seen as a let's let's look at digestive issues, let's understand if there's anything really pathogenic in there. Whereas mm-hmm. we're taking it to another level and we're looking at we're looking at the makeup of the bacteria and, and yeasts and the, the the bugs that should live happily together. And then we also look at markers for digestion and absorption and something called secretory IgA, um, actually, which is an immunoglobulin that is in all our mucous membranes. And it's a really good marker for immunity. And mm. we know that there are ways to bring that up as well. So we look at the microbiome, we look at all these other markers, um, and it can really just be so powerful in beginning someone's journey back towards health just by addressing those. And, and as I say, that's not available on the, um, you know, with standard sort of medical testing at the moment. So mm. with, there are a number of labs. Uh, they've pretty much all been actually in the States until recently. We've now got one in the UK that we use um, where you just get a, a home test sent to you. Um, again, you take the sample and goes back to the lab and we get that analysis through. So it's it's just so easy to do, you know, a lot of this testing just directly from the home as well. Mm. What is the, um, from the sort of patients that you're, you tend to be seeing, 
What is the most common complaint that you find people have? We, I get a lot of autoimmunity. Um, so, and that's across the spectrum. I don't, I don't specialize in one particular, uh, type of, uh, person or health condition actually, mm. but I get a lot of aut- autoimmunity, um, from alopecia to celiac to Hashimoto's particularly with the thyroid. Uh, so I lo- work a lot with autoimmunity. We also get a lot of people coming in just with, um, with digestive issues, um, which, you know, just looking at the gut, which is then kind of obvious sort of where we start with that and where we go. Um, mm. And that tends to be once all the, you know, the sort of big stuff has been ruled out by the medics as well. Um, so, you know, when nothing really can be found wrong and, and they don't really know where to go with it or what to do. So gut, autoimmunity, cardiovascular, um, sort of hormone balance. Um, and then this, you know, sort of the non-specific aches, pains, brain fog, low energy, but don't really know why and no actual diagnosis. So that's what we call kind of the complex chronic conditions. Mm. There's people who have, or they've maybe got, you know, a couple of different diagnoses, but just nothing, nothing seems to be working for them. So it tends to fall into those categories. Mm. And since the... um the whole sort of COVID issue, you know, the last of, well, since March or whatever. Um, how have you found that people you've been seeing have been more maybe stressed, anxious, worried about all of this? I think anxiety is huge at the moment and uh, mental health as well. Um, yeah, it, the, the stress and anxiety levels have just been rising up and up through this. Mm. And it's funny because when this first hit we sort of thought that there would be more people approaching us wanting to I suppose understand the immune system and sort of really support their immunity and there's a little bit of an element of of that going on but actually what we're finding is that people are just um, sort of crashing a little bit and are just feeling utterly utterly overwhelmed Mm. Uh, particularly women um, who you know, may have had, you know, the kids at home and be juggling jobs um, and trying to do everything and just worrying about everything. And I think those stress levels are, you know, hugely high at the moment. So mm. it's it's more, yeah, it's more that than I, I honestly genuinely thought people were going to be coming in and flooding us with, you know, immune support. And it's it's not really worked out that way, to be honest. It's, it's more the mental health and fatigue and overwhelm and uh you know lack of energy actually Mm. that we're seeing what was it that made you decide to do the to go down this route of of learning about functional medicine in the first place well yeah I'd been a nutritionist for so long and and really loved working um with that and you know my background was actually in banking way back in international banking and I I got ill um you know through I guess my lifestyle at that point and various other things and mm. uh made a change in my own life and I went into personal training at the beginning so um you know really understood the the role that um the beneficial role of exercise and I did the personal training while I was studying nutrition mm. so I'd always been you know, really aware that it's not, it's not just about, it's not just about food, you know, it's Mm. other things as well that influence your health. And I think it got to the point where I was a little bit frustrated um, with the nutrition, because I also, you know, really recognized that there were, there were other things, there were other things out there and, and other areas that for some people may be as important, if not more important, actually, at certain times than what Mm. they were putting in them in terms of food. So, I, I actually did my first functional medicine um, module in Tucson in Arizona and went out there for um, five days, studied, and I just met the most amazing people and was so inspired by the work that the doctors um, that were trained in functional medicine you know, were doing and the results they were seeing mm. with their patients. And it just really blew me away. And for me, it's just so I cannot imagine practicing in any other way now. You mm. know, if you don't really go deep, deep, deep and ask someone, well, why is this happening? You know, mm. I, I just don't see 
how you can ever really make long-term changes and regain health. So it's just so logical and so fundamental mm. um, in terms of, you know, you've got to be addressing all aspects of your lifestyle. And obviously it's never going to be perfect, mm. but it doesn't need to be perfect. You know, that's the nice thing. You know, it, it really doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be kept in balance you know as soon as things just go a little bit overboard and that might be for any reason you know it mm. might be because you're not sleeping for uh weeks on end or it might be because you're suddenly majorly stressed or it might be because your diet's not great or that you're not absorbing your food um there's so many different reasons but so long as you can recognize that and keep it back in balance and just bring it all back to the basics um then i really think that it's just so powerful because to give people hope that they can actually be in control of their health and there are things that they can do, you know, you don't have to just sit back and take a diagnosis and think, well, that's it forever. There's mm. so many things that you can do and it can be easy as well. You don't have to do all these ridiculous, um, you know, two hour long lunches and be juicing the whole time. There are easy ways to do it. So mm. I think it's that, you know, why I'm so passionate about it is that I just think, you can transform people's health with this mm. and it doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to be complicated, but I think people need support with it and a plan mm. to go forward. So, um, yeah, that's why I honestly think it's the, the medicine of the future because things do not just happen in isolation. Well, and, and you say there the medicine of the future, how, how do you see things going for you, for you and your business in, in the sort of near future, maybe the next five, 10 years? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm so excited by it because, as you say, there's so many more podcasts um, and publicity, I think, about functional medicine and that people are starting to view it differently. People are starting to recognize a little bit more about self-care, you know, and whether that's, um, you know, kind of in terms of mindfulness or what we put inside us in terms of food. So I'm really, really excited. And with um as I was saying to you, we've, we, we've obviously been running the clinic for years, myself and my business partner. Um, but and we've just put together um, an online program as well that we're hoping by doing this, we can actually reach more people. We've aimed the program at women and it's really taking everyone through. It's, it doesn't involve any testing at all, but it's taking everyone through the whole basics of what we would do in clinic actually and just tidying up the diet, you know, working, spending a lot of time actually working with the gut and really nourishing yourself um, and helping to acknowledge the roles of, of stress and, and anxiety and how that and lack of sleep and how that can all self-sabotage really in terms of your health. And it's just really a, a methodical program um, over 12 weeks that we take people through, but we give them weekly coaching with it. Um, so they have an hour with us every week just to ask all the questions and what our experience so far has been that people are asking questions really about sort of how to, it comes back to the nutrition. It's like, okay, so if I need to be eating, you know, fish, but I don't really like fish, how am I going to get that into the diet? So there's a lot of exploration of this and taking the whole pressure away from all these different diets that are out there um, that are going to suit one person but not the next it's just being really sensible about it and putting people together women you know kind of motivated high achieving women in a community where they can support each other and exchange ideas and have the accountability to do it as well and the support from other women that are in the same situation and so I think you know to answer your question in a maybe long long-winded approach is um i think that's what we're going to see more of as well you know going forward um mm. in terms of our business yes we're still going to see um people who just want to come into clinic and you know have a personalized approach and just get on with it one by one but i also think we're going to have this community approach mm. um that is be going to become so much more important where people rely on each other and share ideas and also have that social connection, which I think yeah. is just so, so important. You know, we mm. know that having social connection extends years on your life. Um, and so I think, you know, if people are in a, a group that's really working on their health, really whatever their health condition, but, you know, it takes away that overwhelm. It enables you to feel supported within a community. Mm. And, you know, the research is such that if you are supported within a community, you're much more likely to make progress and make lasting changes. So I, I'm really excited to see actually where we'll be in another five, 10 years. But I, I think 
I think that's the way things uh, look like they're going for us at the moment, which is, um, yeah, exciting. That course you were just talking about, so if people want to find out more about that course, how, how would they do that? So the best way at the moment is probably just to contact um, contact us, just drop an email to say hello at eatdrinklivewell.com and we can send some details through. I can also give you details actually because what we do for people who may be interested in potentially coming on the program and working with us um, we just book them into a a 30-minute call just to talk about whether it's right for them actually Mm. because it's you know we obviously want people who are a good fit to to go through the program and to work with us and for some people they may not be ready or they may not be a good fit and that's absolutely fine but that's what that's how we're running it at the moment so they get 30 minutes with us um, during which we'll talk through with them really where they are with their health at the moment and Mm. what they think they need to do anything that may be kind of keeping them stuck where they where they are and where they would like to be with it in the future and so we have all of that discussion and then at the end of that discussion we just sort of outline what you know what we think may be the best steps for them which may be um coming onto the program and you know having that support and accountability Mm. Uh, maybe coming into clinic or it may be that they're just not ready right at the moment and it's something that they might want to revisit and you know as I say that's absolutely fine you know you've Mm. we just want to be able to I think help more people than we are able to physically see in our clinic and so this seems like um, you know a good way of doing it actually yeah and so what other ways can people find out about you, like social media and your and so on? We are on Facebook. So Eat, Drink, Live Well. Um, Facebook, we've got a Facebook, a couple of Facebook groups, actually. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. I am on LinkedIn. Very happy for anyone to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. And we have a website, which is www.eatdrinklivewell.com. Um, and obviously, yeah, just get in touch because, um, as I say, we, you know, our, our mission really is to help as many people as we possibly can through, you know, this, I suppose, huge amount of knowledge I feel that we've accumulated now, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we want to just get that out there to people, but actually not just sort of send it at people in terms of, you know, what we used to do, which is sort of writing blogs and everything and just mm-hmm. sending it out in newsletters because I think it's just, it's information overload mm. right now. And I think that, you know, is only going to get worse, but it's just really trying to connect with people now. And as I say, build that community in, in whatever way, whether it's through the program or whether it's just people interacting with us on social media. Mm. Um, yeah. So we're, we're present over pretty much every platform, actually Pinterest, but we're not, we're not really active on that. Um, so that's probably the one not to, not to connect so much on. And didn't you also, you were involved in a, in a book that was published recently, weren't you? Yeah, I had the um, pleasure of um, being invited to write a chapter for a book called Unlocked, which was put together over lockdown, unsurprisingly. Um, mm. And there are 10 authors on it. And we all took a chapter each. And I took the, obviously, the nutrition and and health side of things. Um, and we really wrote about, you know, what it would look like to come out the other side of this. So you've got chapters on, on mental health, uh, quite a lot of chapters on mental health, actually, and stress reduction, and again, sleep. Um, but everything that we can do in a really gentle way to support ourselves, and just to come through the situation that we're in without, you know, having, I think, massive trauma at the end mm-hmm. of it. Um, so yeah, it was just, you know, it was a lovely thing to do. It was very, the whole book from start to finish was actually put together in three weeks. So we had a week's deadline, um, from getting our sort of chapter titles to actually write that, to, to get it back, to edit it. And it went from, yeah, idea conception to, uh, being published in just three weeks and it went to um, went on to the Amazon bestsellers sort of as soon as it came out so it's something we're all really proud of and actually for me as a as a knock-on effect of that you know we we have sort of author catch-ups as well and they are the most amazing group of people and talented experts each in their individual fields so it was a real pleasure to be involved with actually Mm. Um, and to get that out there and we you know at the time we wrote it we obviously thought you know unlocked it would be 
you know, there, there wouldn't be much shelf life in it, you know, beyond the summer, but <laughs> the way things are going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it's a, it's a good read actually. And it's not a read it cover to cover. It's, mm. I think, dip into it, see the chapters you like. Um, one amazing uh, lady author wrote a section on gardening, which I'm quite gutted I didn't get as well <laughs> because I love gardening, but she's done a great job with it. Um, so there's something in it, I think, for everyone, um, you know, and you can keep, I mean, I keep opening it and sort of dipping into it as well. It's, it's, it's a nice read. So, yeah. I, was, I received the book shortly before I moved house and I didn't get a chance to read it then. And then obviously in the process of moving house, there's boxes everywhere. So it's now somewhere in my bookcase that's got hundreds of books. So I need to go and dig it out and actually read it. But yeah, dig it out. Have a, yeah. Let me know what you think. It's called, it's Unlocked, Surviving to Thriving. Um, yeah, no, well, it's now you just reminded me, well, I reminded myself by asking you that question that I've got because I had completely forgotten about it because of, uh, yeah, it's just so yeah. many books in that bookcase. But yeah, I'll go and dig it out and have a read. Yeah, so, you know, it's not something nice to be, you know, it's quite nice to look over this period of, of this year because I think mm. the tendency is to just sort of write it off and think, oh, what a, what a mm. waste of a year. But actually, you know, the things, there are positives for everyone that I think come out yeah. of every situation. And for me, you know, being involved in the book writing and having that published, you know, right in the middle, um, you know, mm. was one of my, my big positives, yeah. Oh, and, and talking of books, is there a book that you would recommend to people? I have, if you could see behind me now where I'm sitting, I have so, so many books. I absolutely love books. Um, but actually, the, the book that I really like as a nice read for anyone mm -hmm. is The Blue Zones, which okay. I don't know if you're familiar with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, I really like, and, and Dan, um, I'm not entirely sure how I pronounce his surname, so forgive me if I mm. get it wrong, but Dan Whitner. Um, just the most amazing man, and this whole concept of the Blue Zones was just, you know, as you know, looking at where people live longest, um, mm. but live longest in a healthy and happy way, and all of, all of the different factors that make up um, you know that longevity and mm. I think it really ties for me it resonates so well with functional medicine because what he found was just simple things like moving every day I mean they don't go to the gym you know but they move every day yeah um, they eat together um, and they have community you know mm. so all of these things they eat well um, they they look after one another um, and so it's just really looking at these I think that particular book was the first book and it looked at the seven seven different areas you know mm. from I think Okinawa to I think the seventh day Adventists are in there that um there's Greece you know all these different communities that have um all of these uh these people that live to over 100 but they're healthy with it so they don't mm. have the chronic disease that we're seeing elsewhere mm. and I just think it's such an inspirational read and just comes back to the basics of what life's about and and uh, what's important yeah so I would recommend if people haven't read that have a, have a look at that it's a nice read well, I'll put a link to that in the show notes definitely and and finally to finish Caroline do you, do you have a quotation that you like? I do so the quotation that I would always come back to and I've used I don't know for years and years and years is by Lao Tzu oh, yeah. and yeah so a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step because I think that just says absolutely everything. It's like don't look at don't look at the whole journey. Don't look at the mountain you think you need to climb up. Just look in front of you and just make one one step forward. It doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to be big. But you know, taking taking that action, taking any action, no matter how small, also gives this feeling of positivity and hope that you can achieve something and that's really what we say to a lot of people when they come into clinic or start working with us in the program it's like don't don't look towards you know where you your ultimate ultimate perfect goal it's just look at you know what you're doing today and tomorrow and then what we want you to be able to do is in a year you know or six months or whenever it is you turn around and you just look back at how far you've come and it's mm. at that point you can really notice you know the progress that you've made so that is yeah pretty much my favorite quote of all time well caroline i really appreciate your time and um yeah i think it's going to be some of the, the what you shared over the last hour is going to be really helpful for many people so thank you i hope so and thank you so much for having me on it's been a real pleasure to talk to you today. Um, thank you caroline
Thank you. Next week is episode 11 with Frederica Roberts, and she's traveled the world speaking at international positive psychology and positive education conferences. She's a speaker, trainer, lecturer, and a published author, and supports individuals and organizations to practice, promote, and embed well being practices into everyday life. So that's next week. Frederica Roberts, we're going to get a lot more into positive psychology and all areas related to that. Hope you enjoy this this week's show. Please do share it with anyone who you feel will get some real benefit from some of the information that Caroline shared with us about functional medicine. Um, why not leave a review about this particular episode or about the show in general? Subscribe. We've still got the, um, the Facebook, Facebook group. The Facebook group is... St- Still under the name of Exceeding Expectations. It may change at some point, but at the moment, it's still under the former name of the this for those who may be not aware. Series one of this podcast was called Exceeding Expectations, and now series two is Happy versus Flourishing. Again, I hope you've enjoyed this week's show, and I hope you have a great week.